she had such power. I'll give you some examples of her power. <laughs> so we had a, a kid in the school who wasn't quite right. He would do some outrageous stuff. And we were going off to recess, and all our shoes had to be taken off, and they were out the front of the class. And we went to go to recess, all the shoes were gone. And suddenly the teacher realised that one of the kids going to the toilets back and forth must have gone and thrown them all in the sandpit. And so he held all the class back. And he said, all right, we're not going to recess until the person who's thrown all these shoes into the sandpit owns up. And so everyone sat quietly. And he said, I'm serious, no one's going to recess until the person owns up. And Lisa Rankin turned to me and she said, Say it was you. And I put my hand up and I went, It was me. And the teacher said, OK, everyone off to recess. And then as everyone left, the teacher said to me, It wasn't you, was it? And I went, No. And he said, Well, why'd you say it was? And I said, Lisa Rankin told me to. And he went, Oh, yeah, fair enough. You're listening to Spirit Levels, it's the podcast that pressure tests the wellness industry. I'm journalist Jenny Valentish. Every week with my partner, actor filmmaker Frank McGree, we'll immerse ourselves in wellness practices from the pseudo to the sensible and we'll fresh out the benefits. My name's Frank McGree. In this episode, we're going to be exploring and reliving our first crushes, our first loves and examining how they shape us. What patterns did we fall into And are we still blindly following them? How does our memory of these experiences stack up to the reality? And do we tell ourselves a convenient narrative? Well, let's find out. I'll be putting myself to the blowtorch, tracking down my first love to see if my very fond and vivid memories match up to hers. This could also be challenging for Jenny. I mean, I I wouldn't consider Jenny a jealous person, but the mere mention of this girl's name triggers her. She has no problem with me talking about the mother of my children or my ex-wife or even my last girlfriend before her. No, it's a ten-year-old girl called Lisa Rankin. My first crush, my first love, my first girlfriend. I want to talk about Lisa Rankin. Okay. What do you want to know about well, <laughs> Lisa Rankin? I want to know what she means to you, because I feel that when you've brought her up, her light has not dimmed in your eyes, and uh, I find that very odd, given that you last saw her about 40 years ago. 43 years ago. Right. You know exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so to give some clarity to all this... Lisa Rankin was my first love from the first time I laid eyes on her. So at five years of age, I went to a little Catholic school and there were 11 boys and 22 girls. Wow. And there was Lisa Rankin and she was the queen of all the girls and she had long black hair and all the boys had a crush on her. Was she a benevolent queen or an evil queen? Ah, look, she was somewhere in the middle. Mundane? No, no, definitely not mundane. (laughs) To give you an example of her power, she was sick from school one day and her house was actually opposite the school. And we all sat at the fence 
like we were waiting for the Queen to come. And she did, she came to a window and she opened the window and waved to us all. What the hell? I know. <laughs> <laughs> it took till grade three or four where I asked her out and we were boyfriend and girlfriend. So from the age of 10, we were the glory couple <laughs> until the end of grade six at the age of 12. Did you go to like a prom kind of thing? We had the prom, yeah. The prom was Greece. Oh, and I remember. You would have loved that. And I remember we together danced to. You're the one that I want. Fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> All right, so that's Lisa Rankin done. What do you mean done? I'm going to talk about Damien Stock. Damien Stock. Damien Stock. Hi, I'm Damien Stock. <laughs> well, he had a cool name like Damien from the Omen, which is mm. pretty big at the time. A creepy kid. <laughs> and tell us what did he look like? What was he like okay. as a kid? All right. Well, so I was struggling a bit at grammar school. I didn't really find my tribe. And I noticed Damien. He was two years older. So, you know, instantly more attractive already. But he was just this kind of cool, musicy looking loner. He just looks a bit moody and interesting and so i was mentally stalking him for ages what does mentally stalking son mean for you uh always on the lookout for him like is he going to be crossing the playground for his next lesson uh, i think he's got double maths he'll be crossing that bit and maybe i'll see him that kind of thing probably got someone to do that my friend fancies you and to my surprise and almost horror he was interested because it kind of broke the spell immediately. It was like a blank slate. Like, you know those things like the Breakfast Club, mm. 16 Candles? You'd have that kind of bad boy character. Or, or inscrutable. Mm. Once I got to know him, he was just like a normal bloke who was a bit shy. I remember one key date, which was we went to see U2's Rattle and Hum in Slough Cinema. So yeah, of course, we were holding hands and stuff but in that real kind of stiff, awkward way where no one wants to so much as move a finger. <laughs> but then afterwards, we went to this park outside the school and we had a snog on this park bench, but it was just really kind of, I don't know, I don't want to put the guy down, but That's okay. there was dog shit beneath our feet. I think beneath his foot, but at least... I love the way it was beneath his foot. <laughs> but at least like he it caused it. by our feet as we sat on this bench. But I dumped him pretty swiftly. So in this podcast, we're going to find Lisa Rankin. Yeah. Correct? Yeah. I've already tried, as we know, just idly in the car as we drive. She well, bangs on about her. I've been on Facebook and stuff like that. And we're going to see if her memory of us holding the St. James kissing record Excuse still me? stands. Excuse me? There is a kissing record. Within our year. Oh, fuck off. And it's how long you could hold your lips together for. It wasn't bashing. There was just the lips literally standing there, and I think it was like 300 and So something. was she fun? She sounds like she was fun. Oh, yeah. She was great fun. And beautiful. And beautiful. <laughs> stunning. I'd use the word stunning. So so why'd you break up? We didn't. Oh, I think you must have. No. We together. No, no. Uh, well, <laughs> at the age of 12, she went off to... A private school, which... Of course did. A private Catholic school. And so, technically, we're still dating, going out, boyfriend, girlfriend. So, <laughs> so yeah, the last time I saw her was 12 years of age. 
I love hearing childhood stories. I mean, I love telling my childhood stories. They're usually so vivid and visual. One of the boys, Michael Jones, um, his parents owned the local pool and he was the cutest of the boys. He was smart and I was smart. And so we would compete against each other in the spelling bee from grade two. And we were always the last two left standing. And so we fell for each other because we used to get our spelling words right. The only girl I remember liking in primary school was a tomboy. I think her name was Mandy. Her and her brother had motorbikes. Maybe that was all it was. And she had like a little scar under her eye. And I thought this chick was the best. Primary school crush was Greg Patterson. Um, lived in Pacapanyol. And he lived down the road. He had an older brother. But I used to be an absolute tomboy. And any time my mum wanted me to get into a dress, she would say Greg was coming around. <laughs> we were absolutely in love with each other at three years of age. We lived next door to each other. But then we moved to Blackburn and I only saw her once. Anamika and I were missing each other. And so our mums said, oh, we'll meet you at the uh, Flinders Street Station. And... My mum said, oh, you've got to get Anamika some flowers. So I bought a bunch of flowers and gave them to her, but it just, just fizzled out. Okay, so we're trying to find Lisa Rankin. So what stalking have you done to try and find her so far? All I've done is Google her name with two different spellings of Rankin and looked her up on Facebook, Instagram. All right. Well, now we're going to turn to her brother, who was in my sister's year, called Dean Rankin. I remember him being a cartoonist, and we found a Dean Rankin as a cartoonist, and I messaged him on Instagram, and he wrote back saying, no, I didn't go to St. James Primary. But he was quite excited. He was very excited about us trying to find the real Dean Rankin. <laughs> so now we're going to turn to uh, a great stalker in my sister, Margot. Hey, Wo. Hi. Hey, Wo. Jenny's here. Hey, Jen. Hey, Wo. I think I've told you that we're doing a podcast. Yeah. And I'm trying to search for my first love, who was Lisa Rankin. You remember her? Absolutely, yeah. Dean was in my class, her brother. Yeah, and that's why we're calling you, because I've told Jenny you're an expert stalker. I am. Whenever any of my friend's husbands are in and have an affair or anything, I'm, I'm right on it. <laughs> Brilliant. Hey, um, do you remember Lisa Rankin? Yeah, I remember Lisa, but I remember more uh, her brother. I remember Frank being madly in love with her. Sorry, Jen. <laughs> but she was beautiful, wasn't she, Well, they were a good-looking family. They all were a good-looking family. Like, every girl was madly in love with Dean Rankin as well. So, so how are you going to try and find Dean Rankin? Um, I've got uh, some primary school friends on Facebook. Yeah. So I'll start there. One of the girls posted the prep photo oh, yeah. a long, long, long time ago, but I'll... I'll go see if I can find that. All right, well, we're going to put you on the case, so you yep. let us know how you go. It'll take about half an hour, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks, Will. Give us a call back. All right, see ya. Okay, so Will text me to say she's found him, so let's call her back. Hey, Frank. Hey, Will. So you think you've found him. Why do you no, think? I'm sure. Okay, go. I remember vaguely somebody said he was in advertising or something, and then Brian Crotty, who lives in Brazil... Yeah. He's not my Facebook friend. I thought, oh, he's in advertising. 
So I went and looked at all the people he liked in Australia, and there's a company in Queensland. You're a real stalker, aren't you? <laughs> and guess who's the CEO of that company? Dean, Dean Rankin. Rankin. <laughs> and it's a picture of him. I'll send it to you. It's definitely him. Absolutely. Hi, Dean. It's Frank McGree speaking. Um, if you could give me a call back on 0419-3727. Sweetie, I want to talk to you about something. Uh, yeah. We're obviously having trouble. What? <laughs> Hunting Lisa Rankin down. <laughs> it's mean. <laughs> We've rung Dean Rankin many times, uh, left lots of messages, and emailed him, but no response. I do have a backup. What do you mean? What's another crush that I haven't told you about? From? High school. Year seven. Candy Williams. Candy Williams. <laughs> Let me describe Candy Williams. She was the blonde bombshell. She was like a Californian dream. The suntan. Did she roller skate? She would have roller skated. <laughs> and she would have rollerbladed later on in life. <laughs> she was long blonde hair, suntan, blue eyes... And she'd reached puberty, which a lot of us boys hadn't. She was part of our group. All the boys were in, in love with her, mm. had a big crush on her. And I, I'm pretty sure I could get in contact with her pretty easy. I haven't seen her for a long time because she got pregnant at the age of 16. And um, she had seven kids. Mm-hmm. And she was one of seven kids. And so are you. And I'm one of seven kids. So it was inevitable that Candy and I would eventually get together. Ah. But it didn't, didn't happen. really happen. Oh, well, my memory is that we had something happen at some point. So Candy we're Williams. looking at your patterns here. Because mm. I'm just looking up girls used to fancy. So we're seeing if your pattern holds up here, which is befriending someone stroke breaking them down. I wouldn't call it breaking them down. <laughs> that sounds very premeditated. Yeah, it does. I'm not that sort of guy. <laughs> I think I became really good friends with the girls. Yeah. And then, but you played the long game. It was a little bit premeditated. I'm not saying it was sinister. Did that happen with Lisa as well? Yeah. We we were best friends. Yeah. At school. Didn't happen with me. Letting her chance to. <laughs> so if I played harder to get, you would have like... Well, I wanted to play the long game, but you straight away <laughs> put me in a hotel room and took my clothes off. My memory of Candy Williams, a goddess at school, most definitely. She was a... Um, yeah, the one that we all looked up to. Long blonde hair, tanned, and uh, dreamt about marrying. She was a lovely person. She was quite popular. She was, just a, she was just a nice person. Blonde hair, blue eyes, mature sort of personality. We Absolutely, we were all in love with her. Candy is number one. Here's some more stories of first loves. I, I really have to say my first love was Brad Robinson. He was six foot six of the funniest, nicest, <laughs> gorgeous guy in the world. I was about 19 and they were in a band that had just started up called Australian Crawl. We'd had our months of dating and I think he had asked me to marry him by then. And <laughs> we are at the Chevron so it was going to be our first night together and so I got into <laughs> I think I got into some weird little nighty thing. I was 
probably was really shy and he was too, which is weird because he's a rock star and an actress, but we were both really um, shy and a bit awkward. And he, I remember we uh, went into the bathroom when he came out. We started kissing, but before we started kissing, I thought, he doesn't look, he looks weird. And uh, the more I looked, the more I realised that he had these red dots all over him and they were getting worse and worse. And then he said he just didn't feel that well. And so we had to call a doctor. And the doctor said it was a nerve. <laughs> My teacher was correcting some of the essays that all the class um, mates have done. And then I looked at this essay over the shoulder and he had like female handwriting and he's written so much. And I was like, who's that? And she's like, oh, it's Orlando Soto. And I was like, wow, it's clever. I didn't think boys in that class were smart. And ever since, I was looking at him and like smiling more and trying to make conversation. And um, I don't know how it happened, but yeah, I guess he liked me too because we ended up talking and then um, we got together. He was my boyfriend for like four years. So I'm 14 and I... I see this girl that's got a sparkle in her eye, Kerry Jones, who lives just down the road from the milk bar. We became friends. She'd wave to me and we'd have catch-ups. And um, so we were smitten with each other. And then one day I said, well, let's, um, let's meet up after dark. Meaning, you know, you sneak out of your home because she's 13 years old. So I've walked up from my place and met with Kerry at the, the milk bar, but opposite the milk bar, on the same corner, was an abandoned house, an empty house that was a little bit like um, something out of the Munsters. Anyway, so I think we busted one of the windows and got in there. I think it was probably, probably two o'clock and we were starting to get cold. And so I pulled one of those roll-up blinds off the window and put that over us to try and keep us warm and we both just fell asleep. Uh, nothing happened. We were two innocent kids having fun together and fell asleep. But then at about four o'clock in the morning, we get abruptly awoken with a, a torchlight shining in my face. And so I just looked up and said, fuck off. And then the torch went from me up to the badge on the policeman's hat. <laughs> and then the cop, you know, was escorting me into the car. And Kerry yelled out, all right, Shane, I'll see you tomorrow. And the police woman said, you'll never see him again. <laughs> I, thought, I thought, that's a bit weird. I'm going to see Kerry tomorrow. We'll have a catch up and think this is hilarious. And, um, and then I think Kerry rang me, I think, and said, I'm not allowed to see you anymore. And I'm, I'm being taken to a hospital for a, um, a, an intercourse test. Because we just laughed because we hadn't had intercourse. So we just thought that would be hilarious. But... Um, yeah, I guess her mum just banned her from seeing... I never saw her again. I was raised on a commune in far north Queensland. My father set it up originally as an acupuncture training school. And it was the 70s, late 70s. And so what had good intentions, of course, turned into a strange socialist experiment. It was really flawed where, you know, my dad could have other partners, but they weren't allowed other lovers. And there are a couple of sort of experimental ideas, I guess, in parenthood. And one of them was that 
all the kids lived in one house and all the parents lived in separate houses dotted on the property. They were trying this experiment of looking at not having favoritism, genetic favoritism towards your own children and so everybody was parented equally and you weren't supposed to show preference or favoritism and so the idea of having a closeness to your own brother wasn't real. You were sort of everyone was your brother, everyone was your sister, just like you had lots of different parents. Anyone could discipline you at any time. When I was 16, I guess, so um, Phoebe, who I shared a bedroom with my whole childhood, she had two older brothers. Her older brother was six years older than me. Toby was living in Sydney and he was a chef and I can't remember why but he moved back to the commune when I was in end of year 11 beginning of year 12 and he was this sort of buff gym going chef who drove a Toyota Celica which was like really cool and he'd walk around with his out his shirt on in North Queensland and he had these fabulous pecs and we're all impressed of oh Toby who is this guy we started really getting on and I think everyone started noticing that there was this chemistry between us and and an emergency meeting was called I think my brothers called the meeting they went to my dad and said we are really troubled by the flirting that Kim is doing with Toby. It's really unnatural and it's not good. And, and um, you know, there was this one house on the property called the Rock House where my dad lived and where serious meetings had to happen. And so we went to the Rock House for a meeting and so it was me and my brothers and my mum and my dad and his mum. And I just said, well, I want to go out with him. I really like him. And I thought that was all pretty normal and... My brothers made a case against him because they just said his personality was so depressive compared to my personality and they were really worried it would affect my nature. And my mum made a a really (laughs) righteous case um, about the fact that my father was shagging his mum and isn't that really deranged and aren't we sort of like brother and sister. And my dad, in his guru state, um, said, well, no, I don't have any problem with it. I don't think there's any." conflict of interest and I remember being ecstatic and I remember going to Toby he had his own room because he was an adult really and I went to his room and knocked on the door and he was sitting there playing guitar in his meaningful way I went in and I told him what had everything that had happened he stopped strumming the guitar and he said ah it's just the silver lining on a very dark cloud (laughs) (laughs) I got an email from Lisa Rankin (laughs) Here we go. <clears throat> hey Frank, how's the last 40 years treated you? I hope you're well. Dean forwarded me your message and at last my children believe you really exist. He doesn't say He that. does. They think my Frank stories are all made up for some reason, but now there's real proof. Your project sounds fascinating and I'd be happy to participate. I love reflecting on and exploring relationships and have so many lovely, vivid memories. Of course, the fondest memories include us winning the longest kissing competition. She remembers. She remembered. <laughs> but you made it up. Your mouth breathing definitely made all the difference. And who could forget us taking first place in the cross country? And you and Stephen Watson walking me home after school while the silver gun rapist was on the loose. Ah, happy days. I thought she lived across the road from the school. Well, no, it was a small (laughs) walk home. (laughs) 
And I, I have no memory of this, but there was a Silver Gun Rapist, which was one of the most famous, well, when I say famous, famous. rapists. <laughs> he was the only rapist in our area. Um, <laughs> the big fish in a small pond. <laughs> Images of you are very clear and loom large in the montage of my childhood memories. I relish recalling them from time to time as they bring me back to my authentic self. Um, here's my number. Looking forward to catching up after all these years. Love, Lisa Rankin. No, Sorry. cheers, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> Funny enough, she didn't mention you. Yeah, it's interesting. I've told the Lisa Rankin stories to my kids, and they love all those stories. Do they? Wow. But, but I know, they're like fairy but she's obviously told her kids. Are you sure they love them? I'll just, read, I'll just read this bit out again. And at last, my children believe that you really exist. And that's exactly how I guess my kids would feel as well. Let's get them in the studio. Well, they must be see, relieved see, as see well. I see if they care. <laughs> they don't care. <laughs> no, I'm actually quite excited for you because that's an amazing result. Because I would have expected caution. <laughs> Obviously, I'm going to be like the third wheel. Do you want to be in the studio when I talk to her? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll have to discuss this with Lisa to see if she's happy. <laughs> so do you think you should be on this call? Yes. Why? Don't you think we'd get a more authentic... Our podcast. Yeah, but don't you think we'd get a more... Why are you... Oh, you've never used the word authentic. No. <laughs> don't, don't you... <laughs> Suddenly, Lisa said it. Don't you Already, think... it's having that effect on you. Can't you see Don't... the power she wields over you? <laughs> I knew it's a come between <laughs> us. Well, as you know, I've been in touch with Candy Williams, mm-hmm. and we've had a back and forth. But I obviously got a sense that she wasn't really that comfortable. So I let her off the hook and said, "Hey, would you be more comfortable if I just wrote you something?" and and you can write something back. And so, this is what I've written, and she has responded. Hey Candy, thanks for participating in this podcast. Well, a big part of this episode regarding early crushes and first love is does our memory stack up to reality? My memory is from year seven that all our group of guys and most of the whole year had a big crush on Candy Williams, but none more than me. I've spoken with four of them, Steve, Chris, Scott and Richie, and they all confirm my memory. All spoke glowingly of you. I also remember us being a big tight group of guys and girls that rolled together and you and I ended up being really close but never quite crossed the line, much to my disappointment. I would love to hear your memory of that time and us. Look forward to your response and thanks for doing this. All right. If someone said to me from high school, oh, we never quite crossed that line, much to my disappointment, I'd be like, there was a reason for that. Anyway. Well, let's, I've read the response, so let's get into the response, shall we? Thanks, Frank. I must say you are the most amazing... No, okay. Thanks, Frank. I must say I was surprised to think I was anyone's crush. I remember having a big crush on Steve from the moment I saw him. God damn, with his blonde, I see, blonde, tall, and was a bit of a bad boy. And I thought he was the coolest. Pretty sure we had a bit of a thing for a bit. Then there was cute little Richie, what a sweetheart. But to be quite honest, I believe at some stage I had a bit of a crush on all of you. Chris, the smart one. Frank, the... And then you. I think we just had a special bond. I think we didn't quite cross the line to keep our friendship. Mind you, from memory, I think we had a kiss or two. Yes. 
was just a shame with changes in my life, me getting pregnant. Our group kind of fell apart. Thank you so much for reaching out to me, and I cannot express how this has brightened my heart to think you all thought of me that way. That's nice. There's a definite hierarchy going on there. With all the boys. Mm. But do you think there was a bit of a sliding moment there where she said if she hadn't got pregnant that maybe we would be together? No, I don't think that's what she was saying. I think she was saying she would still have been part of that group. Right. Um, <laughs> we interpret things different ways, don't we? <laughs> Emails are so subjective. <laughs> but obviously my pattern is that... Wear them down. Didn't quite get, if she hadn't got pregnant, you might have worn her down. No, I befriended. I was, got, I was really good friends with girls and then things blossomed from there a lot of the time. But you didn't give me that chance. <laughs> I'm just about to talk with Lisa Rankin. And I'm nervous. I mean, I've acted on stage, in movies, and I know nerves. But Lisa is a big part of my childhood, my memories. And I really want to go well. I want her to like the adult Frank. You're uncharacteristically nervous. Not nervous at all. Stammered. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she's going to call. Okay, she's about to call in one minute, right? So, how do you feel, Jenny? I'm fine. 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 Keep it a slow pace. She's calling! <laughs> okay, shut the door. Hi, Lisa. <laughs> I'm so glad that you reached out. Lisa, I'm introducing you to my partner and co-host, Jenny. Hi, how are you, Lisa? Oh, hi, Jenny. I'm really well. How are you? I'm good, man. I've heard so much about you. It's um, <laughs> it's like you've, you've been on a pedestal for the last 43 years and you've never been toppled. <laughs> oh, that is just music to my ears. <laughs> You're the only person she's jealous of. Yeah. That is fantastic. I, and I must admit, my memories are just surrounded with this lovely pink haze of cloud now. <laughs> uh, let, let me do what I can to dispel that cloud. Yeah. Because you, you just, you know, as, as a child, you just see everything so subjectively, don't you? And it's not until somebody else comes in and says, hey, you know, it wasn't actually like that. <laughs> well, it's about first crushes, but it's also about does your memory stack up? Yeah. So I was so happy when you talked about us holding the kissing record. Cause <laughs> I, if I'd made that up in my head. <laughs> no, that is so clear to me because, look, you know, let's be honest, I did kiss a few boys back then. I was, I was la, 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 <laughs> la. Frank, you, you were the special one. So firstly, what have you been doing for the last 43 years? Oh, my gosh. You know, I was in a bit of a bubble for such a long time that, beautiful idyllic childhood but when we got to high school you know I don't think I really went to the right high school it was very restrictive and oh I just couldn't wait to get out at the end of that I actually met a guy and I lived on the coast for eight years um but then um probably about eight years after we got together things sort of weren't working out all that well so I remarried a few years later and I've got three kids I have showed the kids the IMBD profile I've said this is Frank we went to the set no yeah sure mate. <laughs> <laughs> What's your early memories of when you went to primary school? Oh, 
Frank, I have so many memories. I remember feeling like I was king of the kids. You were king of the kids. <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll tell you an example of that. When we first went to school, yeah. whoever you chased, every girl then chased that boy for lunchtime or recess. And really? each day you would just hope it was going to be you. <laughs> That's the power you held. That is fabulous. Oh, my gosh, my head is just growing so now, big. Now, your house was pretty much opposite the school, right? You were sick one day. Yeah. And the yeah. whole class went to the fence and waited for you like you were the queen to come and wave to us. And then you waved and we were like, oh, great, we can get back to recess now. <laughs> that, oh, my God, that's hilarious. <laughs> I, I can't remember that, but I just remember feeling like, you know, I did have this lovely feeling of power, but I, I don't think I was a mean person, you know. I don't think I wielded my power in a wicked way. <laughs> I just, I did really like, you know... The, the peace to be kept. I'd like everybody to get along. I do feel like I, I had all this control. It was it was kind of great, but a bit dangerous maybe because then when we went to secondary school, I had a massive fall. But what do you attribute that power to in primary school? Uh, I think it was a small setting, and I think that was really important too. It was a small school. You know, everyone that went to church went pretty much went to school. It's kind of insulated when you think about it, but it was kind of ideal at the time. Now, I remember this very distinctly, that I had said to you and Stephen Watson, who was my best friend, yes. I don't believe in Jesus. And right. the next day, you and Stephen Watson came up to me and said, look, we can no longer basically associate with you. Because you don't... That's true. <laughs> yeah. And I remember thinking, I bet Stephen Watson that's his idea. <laughs> that was definitely Stephen's idea. And it luckily blew over in a few days. That was so funny. And look, I think I, think I really liked you for that reason, Frank. You're a bit edgy. You're yeah. a bit of an edgy kid even then, and you were a free spirit. You were also very loyal as well. I mean, I don't remember you kissing other girls, but that might have been my, you know, my hazy memories. No, you were pretty much my one and only. And I remember another great memory was, it must have been grade six, and we had like a party, maybe it was towards the end of grade six, yep. and they had grease, and we all dressed oh, up. Yes. And we sang together and danced. She, Jenny's head shaking. And she's about oh, to nod her head yes. off here. But yeah, it was... And I remember going, life is just perfect right now. Yes. In that moment. <laughs> moment of perfection. It's Is that how you remember it? Because like, he's remembering it like it was a full-on production and almost like glitter was falling from the ceiling <laughs> and everyone was making way for you both and clapping. I didn't say that. No, but that's how you describe it. <laughs> that's what it felt like. Yeah. That is just such a gorgeous memory. Your memories are very clear. I have clear memories of some things, but you, you sound like you've got yeah, a really good ability to um, to recollect. Well, yeah, I, didn't, I, I, I didn't remember us walking you home for the Silver Gun Rapist. <laughs> Which is funny considering you lived across the road from school. <laughs> what sort of patterns in dating happened to you after primary school? I think I realised that um, when when I uh, out, my first marriage had finished that I actually needed somebody who challenged me because that 
staved off the boredom. And I know that sounds really cynical, but, you know, to have someone that challenges you keeps things lively. The power dynamics are more equal. So, yeah, and at different times, of course, you know, depending on how old your kids are and, and the role that you play in their lives and what you're doing personally in your career and it shops and changes all the time, doesn't it? How much power you need, how much you get. Do you know what? I would not underestimate our crush and, and what we were doing back then. And from my point of view, it was definitely a practice ground. It yeah. was definitely practicing the power dynamics, the little bit of romance. What was the power um, dynamic like with Frank? Um, Frank was... I, do you know what? Also, I've reflected on this. And Frank and I were friends. I think we had a friendship. Well, that's been my pattern, is I've been really close friends yeah. with uh, the people I've been with. And yeah. we're all trying to work out our patterns and... When I say I play a long game, I, I, I mean that in the nicest possible way, that I, you know, I love uh, being friends with someone. And then we yeah. were, we were really good friends. Yeah, and I think that was the difference between you and the other guys that I knew. You know, I just, they didn't seem to have the capacity for that with me. But I think you had the capacity to really be a good friend at a young age. Do you remember the time I threw sand in your eyes in no, the sandpit? No. I'm glad you've forgotten that because I felt like such an absolute dick. I really did. But I think I just wanted your attention. I think I was looking, even at that young age, even though I wasn't aware of it, I was looking for that accessibility. And my first husband didn't have it. And then once I got to a certain age, I was like, oh, my God, I, I need someone I can go, I can talk to on a much deeper level. And I think I was looking for it and, and detected that I needed that even back then when we were young. You, you were open. And I think that was part of the attraction for me as well. Um, so, you know, I sort of eventually realised that, oh, my gosh, maybe I really do need this in a long-term partner. And I did find it, thank goodness. You're a great positive part of my childhood and... Yeah. Oh, you are um, you are a huge part of mine. Of you too. I'm very proud of you. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, guys. I've just really enjoyed catching up and recalling, you know, that lovely idyllic childhood. Earlier, I asked people about their first crushes and first loves. I also asked them if that set any relationship patterns for them later in life. Interestingly, only women were able to answer this bit. I've definitely had a pattern of trying to understand my father through men most of my life. Not so much in the men themselves, they've all been totally different. I'd have somebody who might have looked a bit like him or, you know, was had a guru-esque quality or, you know, I've definitely nearly always had very intellectual men because my father's very intellectual and I've sort of naturally always gravitated towards that. I can systematically go through the selections of boyfriends and see that pattern of trying to figure out our relationship a lot through my life until I had discovered therapy and, you know, was able to bloody break that pattern a bit. I don't think I have a type in terms of, like, how they, they looks, but I do find men that are intelligent. It sounds... Um, I don't know, what's that word? Not necessarily book smart, but they got to be smart. And I found that throughout all the relationships I had, which it, doesn't, it hasn't been that many, 
but they all have that in common. I think I play out my parents' pattern in the way I respond emotionally to certain things, for sure. Not being able to talk problems through, I guess. Not being communicative in that way. It's like, you know, mum being Greek and dad being Scottish and two totally different cultures, they, yeah, dad's an emotional retard, mum's over the top emotional. (laughs) So, yeah, I'm a bit of both. Who's going to listen to this? Because I actually don't know that I am... I don't know that I actually am blind with the monogamy kind of thing. I don't think that's for me. I think that at the moment, for me, this is really telling, um, that I am in a relationship with myself first and foremost and anything other than that, I'm not really that interested in at the minute. And if I am, it's on my terms. So I don't think I'm a one-man woman kind of person. I just don't think that any one person can truly fulfil the needs of any other one person and I think we're delusional to think that it can. Yeah. That was more than I was intending on sharing. <laughs> I think what I've realised is that I chose Brad because of who he was and I think that since then I've been chosen so that's my pattern. First time in years and years I'm choosing people whether that be friends, whether that be um, thousands of lovers I have to choose them and probably because I've had to be in charge being a single mum for so long and I think that relationships work well when the chick's in charge As for me, this is Jenny my pattern started with Damien Stock and continued that way so I'd project qualities onto a guy before meeting him usually of being more interesting than he was harsh but to such a thorough degree that when he turned out, of course, to not be that precise person, I was disappointed. That says a lot about my rich fantasy life and probably a few other things. But I'm glad to say that while it lasted a few decades, I've definitely kicked it to the curb. And with Frank, not that I'd want him to hear this and get a big head, Lisa Rankin's right. He set the bar so high in real life. There was no chance of being disappointed. So, Jenny... Was that episode challenging? No, I I wanted you to get it out of your system. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you find when there's something you've wanted all your life, and for me I'm thinking like book deals and stuff, that when you get it, there's something not disappointing, but you don't have that thing on the horizon anymore that you could always look forward to. Are you saying that Lisa Rankin's now dimmed in my eyes? Well, it's just that she was forever this kind of entity. Mm. And now you've actually sort of reconciled that. Yeah. So there's no longer this, oh, I wonder what Lisa Rankin's doing, you know. I'm still wondering what she's doing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Look, I'm glad I didn't colour my memories. That's an important part of... Where we were you going. turn out to be a fantasy stroke narcissist. <laughs> it's just being good look back on the past and patterns, and I haven't really thought about it before this episode. And I think growing up with four sisters and all their friends, I was obviously very... oh the day girls down the road. Yeah, the day girls down the road. You that's another episode. That's a whole episode. Helicopter. <laughs> that's another episode. Um, But I was very comfortable around women, which led to me becoming kind of friends with women. Mm. I befriend women. 
Well, I used to do this in the supermarkets. My mum used to tell me that I would befriend old women in the supermarket. I'd tune them. I would. <laughs> I'd say befriend. You can say tune. But I'd drift off and just talk to old women. So it's been good to see those patterns. But I think the patterns have changed with you. And so maybe I've got it, I've had it all wrong because now I've met the love of my life. But had I played hard to get, you might have decided what's the best tactic here. I'll befriend her. Oh, yeah, I definitely would have befriended But you yeah. were wearing a... Oh, he just looks... I mean, your shirt was unbuttoned and... Well, that was still a bit... Of course it was. <laughs> we all knew that. Everyone in the bar knew that. <laughs> <laughs> I like you, Jenny. I like you too. You've been listening to Spirit Levels, a weekly show with Jenny Valentish and Frank McGree. Subscribe to hear our show every Tuesday and we'd love to see you on Instagram. We're Spirit Levels Podcast. And TikTok, where we're Spirit Levels. See you next week.